if you know anything about taking large pieces of wood and making them smaller, you would know how much of an offense that you just committed. <laughs> My goodness. And welcome back to the Refactored Podcast, the show where we try and help ourselves and you suck just a little bit less each and every day. My name is Frank Cole. And my name is Chris Tonkinson. And this is episode 84, recorded on October 20th, 2022. So I don't have any real burning stuff that I can talk about right now. I have a whole bunch of stuff that I want to, but it's just not ready yet. Um, but I do have a uh, plethora of grab bag questions from uh, from my buddy Justin. So he gave us the, uh, the Q&A uh, two weeks ago about the um av setup yeah the av setup right yeah. okay so he had thrown a bunch of stuff i picked the ju the biggest juiciest one and then he he had a bunch of other things that some of these could lead to big conversations some of them might not but i thought you know what i'm just gonna kick it over to these questions so we're just gonna you know we're just gonna go to the mailbag i think right on let's just yeah. go to the mailbag and we'll see how long these last. I, I I think we could probably get a whole show out of probably one or two of them. But I mean, if they don't, if they if they burn out, it's his fault. So you know what? Blame just. Yeah, that's right. We'll blame the, we'll blame the viewer. We'll blame the viewer. Uh, all right. So let's see here. Since everything is cloud now, should my IT team be shipping Chromebooks instead of beefy laptops? I haven't actually thought I, about any of these yet, so I don't have any. You know, I had a conversation. I was uh, traveling this week, uh, and I had a conversation where it was like a real topic. Hey, uh, there was some issue. I forgot what the issue was. It was some laptop thing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and and I was like, to be honest with you, we always have issues with this. You know, really, we should just BYOD and deploy VMs. For you know, because we're in a regulated environment, and so there's a bunch. I mean, the security controls are like I, I want to shoot myself on a daily basis with these with these security controls um, because they just and it's not it's you know it's it's I I understand it right. We deal we deal with sensitive information. It's got to be protected. Nobody has a problem with that. Uh, you start to have a problem when the issues when when the policies don't actually solve real threats but impede your workflows and slow you down you start to get like really super pissed yeah, about this over time policies um, sake is annoying and so and so i said look we should just we should just byod and deploy vms and be done with it and then we don't have to deal with all of this and hey look it saves the company a little money and it's you know it's whatever it's fine um and the response was yeah or cloud vms and i thought and my my knee jerk, I don't know, my my knee jerk was like, ew, because I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking like IO latency. That's my mm -hmm. only issue, by the way. Mm -hmm. I would much rather be deployed a cloud, you know, I think workspaces the the like official moniker for that. I'd much rather be deployed a cloud VM than put a VM on my own hardware for a couple of different reasons. But the IO latency. I don't know if you've actually used one of these works. I know we talked. Was it a couple of weeks ago? We talked about like uh, we talked about gaming. Yeah, I was going to say we we talked. Um, we, we if it's good enough for that, a little bit. Yeah, if it's good enough I feel for like that, maybe it's good enough for anything. I was right? going to say if it's good enough for gaming, it's good enough for literally anything. If you're talking purely IO responsiveness, because gaming yeah. is is I mean that's millisecond 
you know, itchy trigger yeah. finger, you know, gamers, the hard, the really hardcore folks actually look at the, at the millisecond response rate of their monitors. Like you can get, you know, Oh really, yeah. Really, yeah. Response so, time of the monitor. For right. Sure. So if you're, so if you're dealing with, if you're at that level and you can build a workable well, but is it, version okay, on but, a, on a, um, for a, like not a to call you out, AWS but is anybody, host. not to call you out, but is anybody really hardcore doing cloud streamed gaming? I have, these are all PC master race people. Yeah. I, I would and nothing. It just, just like you're min maxing the response rate of your monitor, having the box in your, you know, at your desk right there is always going to be faster than, yeah. than, you know, remote. So, you know, in, in that sense, I think it's also just, I don't know. There's probably some ease to it at this point. I mean, there are tons of companies that'll do boutique builds for you. Like we talked about that earlier this year where, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I got one of those builds and they're really, really good. Like they, they are as good as any handcrafted system I have built over my career. And I've done that a, a bunch of times. Um, so, you know, the, the ease of access is, is there, um, this to me. So I, so I don't, I can't say for sure. Cause one, I don't, I don't watch a lot of Twitch streaming. I, you know, for being as huge of a gamer and a technologist as I am, I never like, just hold on. I I don't get it. Like Twitch streaming, I don't understand. Why would you sit there and watch another and watch guy somebody else play, play a, a video game? game? What is what are you doing? I just true story. Never got I, it. I, and I to the listenership. I swear we don't talk uh, outside of the show. I swear this ha- it was last week or the week before. Within the last two weeks. I forget how it came up, but I was talking to my wife and I was like, oh yeah, like these guys on Twitch or whatever. She's like, I don't know. What is Twitch? What is this? And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, streamers. What's, what's, streamers? what's streaming? And I, said, and I, you know, I kind of explained, oh yeah, they, you know, they play a video game and they have their camera in the corner and then people They're, watch And they it. do more than gaming now too, but. She was ready to like leave the house and go burn down the nearest Best Buy. She was so <laughs> flabbergasted that anybody would do this. And I said, you know, yeah, the top, you know, 10th of a percent of these people make a living this way. She was just confused and livid and, <laughs> and everything because, you know, it was a foreign concept. First, you know, time she had been introduced to this. Didn't. Un- and I was like, Hun, I don't I don't know. I don't know why people watch other people like if. Okay. If you're in my house and we're taking turns at a one player game, yeah, I'll sit there and watch. That's, you know, everybody, you know, you've, you've yeah. you're sitting around the SNES, yeah. right? Uh, on a Friday night. But that's not what this is. And I was like, I don't get it either. I'm just going to go play a video game. I don't understand this. This is like a whole subculture that doesn't, it's just all over my head. Yeah. I don't it, know. Um, it, <laughs> so the, uh, I, the, the best ones that are most successful, they it's not it's not streaming for streaming's own sake, and it's usually not streaming exclusively. They are in some way content creators, and the streaming is parallel and a den, you know, or an addendum yeah. to it. So, I'm I'm we've talked about before. I'm a, I play World of Warcraft. That's a a huge, very um very plugged in community. That's a, yeah. That is not a game that you just pick up and run with. And so there's a very there's a very deep ecosystem a community around it. And I follow some content creators in it and they do Twitch streaming. Again, I don't watch any of the Twitch streaming, but what I get from them is they take snippets of it and turn them into YouTube videos later, or 
they have um they have a regular show that they do on YouTube and then the Twitch streaming is something that they do in addition. So I, I think the most the only analog I could really come up with was like, so you and I, we do this show and we do some blogging. And, you know, if we got big enough and there was some interest, you know, we could do some streaming while we're writing code. Obviously not anything that's, you know, sensitive. It would have to be like open source projects, but, you know, so like it's another why? way. It's another way. The answer is it's another way to engage with your audience. It's another way for them to see what you do and how you do it and things like that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, this is, it's, I still, I'm, I'm not saying I don't understand what is happening. I'm saying I don't get why anybody participates in this. Like I, that's right. And, and part of it, you know, I understand, okay, I'm playing a video game and I'm stuck on a part or I, I can't see how to move forward or I want to get better. And I can understand going to YouTube and saying, okay, how do you down this boss? Right. Oh, there's always and watching yeah, there's tons a 10 of that. minute clip, but that, that tons makes sense. That. Yeah. And, and, and so from that perspective, I, I get, okay, well, in order for the content creator, in order to get that 10 minutes of content, they've got to play for 20 hours. Right. And as a, as a content, you know, as a community content creator, fine i guess if i can stream the whole thing live and then and then cut it up in mm -hmm. post for the youtube thing later like okay i guess if there's money to be made or eyeballs to be had or engagement to be to be benefited from in the in showing now the sausages that to me i i, I can i can understand it um but I, one i when i uh, I looked, this is maybe six, 12 months ago. I looked, uh, not, not so little known secret, but, um, I, I was, I was big into playing muds back in the day, text-based adventure games, right? Mm -hmm. Like the internet, early internet equivalent of like D and D. And there are mud gamers who stream on Twitch, what? which makes even less, <laughs> yes, it makes even less sense. <laughs> I like these games. I like that style of game. And that is just pure dumb. Pure lunacy. That's crazy. Talk. I don't. It's crazy. The guy's like, man. oh, yeah, oh, I'm going to go east 37 times and then kill a troll. Like, I can't. I, I, those video games were my first computer addiction. I get how engrossing they can be. But to uh, it's un unfathomable. To so me. there are. Uh, OK, so one you may. I'm going to see if I can bring you back around here because my, when we, when we open this little sidebar, my flabbergastedness is purely the at, sidebar. Never you, This is one bar. You cannot close down. <laughs> <laughs> sidebar is always open going, around these going, parts. My friend going back for seconds. The, uh, my pure flabbergastedness is at these people who, who just, and only do the video game streaming because that to me is just crazy cakes. There are people that are, that I would consider, they're not streamers, although they do streaming. They are content creators. Uh, so I follow this one that's a show. There's another one that's at the, this guy is like world first top tier uh, raider. And he has a following. And his stream, obviously, when they're doing, uh, when new content comes out, the new, the, new, the new raid is out. There's always this race to see who, who, who beats it first. And yeah. it's this worldwide thing. And that is interesting to watch. It's like a sporting event. So, so there's, there's a unique, my point is the successful ones, you know, that, that, that small minority that you, that you told Jenny about, it's not streaming for its own sake. There's a hook to it that actually has, 
there's a reason to watch other than watching for watching's own sake. Like there's a reason that you're there. You want to see more of the personality that run that has the show. You want to see more of this top tier Raider and what they do and, and things like that. Um, here's one that maybe you haven't thought of. So streaming has broadened out. I have seen people do all kinds of craftsman based things in a streaming setting. So uh, model painting, think D and D tabletop, model design and, and painting, uh, carpentry, which I know you do. Like there are people who will set up cameras in their I'm workshops. Sorry, I'm sorry. No, don't insult me. I do not do carpentry. Oh, I'm sorry. Find what? woodworking. Oh, this oh. is a, this is an insult of the <laughs> highest order. If you knew anything. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> if you knew Good anything about, <laughs> if you know anything about taking large pieces of wood and making them smaller, you would know how much of an offense that you just committed. <laughs> my goodness. I'm so sorry to to the <laughs> nuns of wood, no, woodworkers out there that were the, in the our audience. Of, more than you think, more than you think. <laughs> Actually, so funny story. We uh, we referenced, uh, this is going back a while. I know it was early on because I'm such a fan of this talk. There's a guy that does hand tool woodworking. You have, Tim yes. Ewald, yes, right? you've told and me, he, yes. He is actually a member of my online hand tool woodworking guild. So I see him in that context. Uh, now who's the dork here? <laughs> right. I'd never claim to be otherwise. I, like I know, I know what I'm about, son. So. Man, I, what is, was the point with all of them? So we, I don't remember. We, we were, we were talking about, um, uh, no, but I've seen, uh, uh, I think there's, uh, there, there were guys that were uses. doing there's, yeah, yeah. yeah there's and good I, uses to it. And I, I see it. I get it. So somebody, for example, uh, where I think it, it can make sense would be, uh, uh, woodworking yes. or I've seen um, uh, any kind of craftsman, what, what they any kind of working yeah, with I've your seen, hands I've crafts seen, kind of thing. So, knitting, so okay. Either really this complex is my, knitting, crocheting. I could see that kind of a thing. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm not sure about cooking, but like food no, preparation. That's a big thing. Yeah, I guess no, it could, cooking, yeah, yeah, I guess cooking, it could be. Yeah. grilling, woodwork, yeah. metal. I mean, there's all no. different stuff. Repairs. Um, I could see doing like a repair shop. Somebody who'd be really interested in that kind of stuff. Cars. Yeah, I could see in a garage. On a car, yeah, you a know, garage. hey, this is how yep. you get drop the transmit. Right, and that all makes sense because a you're Dr. doing Pimple something. Doctor Pimple Popper started like this, although I think she did YouTube. You know, you know that show on. TLC, no. Dr. Pimple Popper. You never heard of that? No. Oh, she started as a, I think a YouTuber. I don't think she was a Twitch streamer. She is, she's a dermatologist and she recorded films of her doing excisions of really big, gross, gnarly skin stuff, mostly pimples and, you know, other kinds of things that would, you know, be ooey gooey and gross when you, when you pop them because some people like my wife, freaking love this crap. Um, and that was so popular. She got her own show on TLC where they actually, you know, follow patients and, you know, they come in, she does her assessment and then she, you know, performs the surgery and you actually, you know, they've got the camera right there and you can see it. And it's, it's, I'm going to keep talking as if this part of the conversation <laughs> never happened. <laughs> so you've got a craftsman or somebody who's got doing work anyway, right? Okay. So they're going to be yeah. there. They're they're a woodworker. They're producing things right. to sell on Etsy or something like this, right? Or 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 a classic car guy in his garage tinkering on his hot rod, whatever. Right. That make and then okay, 
there's for whatever reason you want to stream that Q and A, answer questions from people who are sure. watching. That yeah. I can at least wrap my head. That makes sense. That makes sense. But for video games, right? The modet like you, I how can I be in front of a computer? to which I could just play a video game and then choose instead to watch someone else play a video game. Yeah, that is a, the underlying question. Yeah, and it think, doesn't make sense in my brain. Yeah, and there are people who do it, you know, it, it, what, what I would call this, this very simplistic, derpy way, but the ones that are successful, like I said, they've got a hook. It's in video games, but it's a hook the same way that your carpentry, or excuse me, your woodworking analogy. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. You. That, you know, there's, there's, some, there's some craft or interesting element to it that that pulls people in. I'll give you another example. So I talked about the Raider race for world first, like a top tier performance kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That's one. Like if you're, so if you're doing high, it's super high end, high performance, like you're an expert at it. No, no, I think we can agree. I think we can agree that if there's something to be learned or like it's new content, Hey, I'm not going to be able to play this game through for a couple of weeks, but I want to see what's there. And somebody really good is doing like all of that makes sense. But you, you and I both know that that is the vast minority yeah. of streams. So there's, so what the hell is up with the bottom ninety five percent of I, that content? I, I think that I, the, <laughs> the bottom ninety five percent are you know just struggle busting their way to get you know a dozen streamers at any uh, a dozen viewers at any given time, uh, and I think that's just you know they it's like anyone else trying to hit the big time. You know, it's a, it's a people going yeah. to Hollywood and getting the job as the waiter trying to make it big. It's the same. It's, to be fair though, I feel the same way. I like the I, same mindset. I, I used to, I used to play golf. Not, I didn't really get into it, but I played some. I don't anymore. Mm. I never at no point in my life have I been able to watch golf on TV. Yeah. I can't like, watch. I don't, I'm at a point where I don't, I don't really like it anymore. I, I'm not really interested in it. But I will go play a round of golf a thousand times before I sit and watch one on TV. Mm. It's just, it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. compute. Video games are the same thing. Yeah. Well, how the hell am I going to watch somebody play a video game? I'm just going to play it myself. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, and you can make, there's yeah. the same argument was made about sports on television too back in the day. Like, why would I watch a, you know, watch other people yeah. play a sport when I can do it? So Any sports same, are a thing, right? It's one the same thing that kind of I think thing. is, I, there's something I can see really blowing up and it it's, it kind of did, but in a really almost underground niche sort of way. Uh, I don't know what they like the quad racing. Oh yes. Oh my gosh. I so want to do that. I oh, want to do that. I, so I want to do it. I want to watch it. it. I want to be, no, the, I, I want to do it. All I, of it. I, I want to do it because the notion of, I have this quadcopter that I built one, which is fun. Yeah. But then you wear or VR, or to withdraw. Wear a headset, the, and you yeah. got the first-person view on the. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh! This is this is just this is tickling I, when all I, my engineer gamer buttons to the I, I was, degree. <laughs> I was so talking to my son about this, and I was explaining to him, "Oh yeah, the drones. Like this is what they are. This is what they look like." And then I explained to him, "Like oh yeah, they can race these." And his eyes lit up just like mine did the uh-huh. first time I heard about. I'm like, "This is." What is this? This is physical. This is IRL video games. It's like, exactly this is what it real is. world video, real games. world Mario Kart is essentially what I, it is. It's amazing. <laughs> so it's the best thing that has ever happened. Maybe penicillin and then that in order. So, so <laughs> like, so be be honest. You were telling your son about this in the hopes that he would just d- randomly in a conversation drop hints to your wife 
about it so that you had an excuse about buying to a get drone. one of these kits for fine for him, for his, all right yeah uh, if he I wa- knew it i knew if it. he wants it fine oh, yeah. let's he make wants- <laughs> let's block off saturday and you take the girl and the baby and then we'll go out and we'll see you after we spend a bunch of money somewhere no, no. I- <laughs> amazing as soon as he gets as soon as he gets good at like mario kart home circuit then we can start talking about about drones. I am uh, I am seriously I, I I may in the next year. I I thought about doing this. I thought about making this a COVID project. I ended up not doing it. But like I'm in a different spot now. I I I may make this a project like for 2023 to to build one of these drone and drones. And these. It, yeah, it just looks so much fun. Oh my so gosh! There are some YouTube videos that show like really high end courses somebody tried to do something in an actual stadium they actually did a course in a stadium no i've seen this they they You've have seen their that competitions one? they'll take like a like an nhl an nhl stadium and they'll hook it up with rings and they've and got that and, and they've mm-hmm. got these light up indicators for where oh, you have to fly gosh. and all it looks so cool That's it looks so, so much fun <laughs> Oh, I man. feel like we're in this slump though. What is that adoption curve? There's like the early yes. excitement and yes. then the slums. We are in the we're slums. In the this we're will, this will take off in a big way. I think it I'm could. not saying I next year or the year after over time, this is going to be huge. It's this is ver- going to be like NASCAR level it, stuff. Well, I mean, it can't not be, it can't not be. It's <laughs> I mean, the same it can, thing except actually, faster but. and flying. They would do this with actual aircraft. If there weren't lives at stake, this is our opportunity. People let's make this a thing. Mm, okay. Okay. I, I, it, it's, it's the same. I think it's on the same trajectory as something like esports, which I think is still, I mean, that's actually what made me think of it was the yeah. esports thing. I, and I, and yeah. esports is is definitely a thing and has become a thing. It's becoming more and more mainstream. Um, hit or miss, depending on the games and who's running it and nah. things like that. But, you know. Um, you got people that are really hardcore into, you know, your Maddens and FIFAs and things. And bah, it's yeah. fine. So um, anyway, uh, so. Okay, so rewinding. My, my goodness. Twitch streaming. Like there's a there's some legitimacy to it. You know, random dude decides to start streaming himself playing a random game just because that's just silly. You've got to have a hook like anything else. You know, you, yeah. you've got to actually have a reason. You've got to give them a reason to show up. And it can't just be watch a random dude play. It can't just game. be because I'm here because I'm, I'm watching. Here. Yeah, you can't. That, that can't yeah. be it. Um, the one video game where you, you know, you were poo poo in the video game stuff outside of the specific examples I gave, there is one common frame that I think works really mm-hmm. well for video games and that's speed running. So this is people who yeah. take a game yep. or, uh, challenge runs sometimes it's like, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm not going to have any health pickups. Or if I get hit once it's over and I got to start over completely, you know, they, yeah. they do those kinds of challenge things. Those are interesting to watch because there's actually there's a hook, there's a uniqueness there. Here I have somebody. Well, but again, I think this, this special. Yeah, I think there's thing. like there's something to be learned yeah. watching somebody who knows what they're doing do it well. That's always like no matter what the domain Correct. is, that's going to yeah. attract eyeballs and and ear holes, right? That like right. again, the bottom ninety five, probably a lot more than the bottom ninety five percent of it is just some just some guy playing call of duty for six hours with no <laughs> with no like yelling at his cat half the time you know like all right i don't know 
All right, so we're going to rewind this all the way back. Everything's cloud. Should IT teams be shipping Chromebooks instead of beefy laptops? And you were having a conversation with somebody in your office, and then we started talking about Twitch. About streaming. drone racing. About yes. Dr- <laughs> oh my gosh. I did, we could do it. Waste every at the end of this episode. <laughs> we, uh, we could turn every single episode into drone racing. Like the amount of hop, <laughs> the, like conceptual hops you have to make t- from anywhere to drone. It's like Kevin Bacon. Like you're always a few hops from <laughs> drone racing. Six degrees of drone racing. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's there's there's something to be said as a as a recovering software developer. I think to me the IO latency it is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um I I mean we've talked on we've talked on the show before about how I get a little pissy in the difference in uh, registering and rendering keystrokes in VS Code versus Sublime because one is using a more abstracted technology stack. And so mm-hmm. that translates into real-world feels for me as a developer in my ergonomics. I would have the same level of concern. Um, I have been using um, not a huge, not huge historically on like Google Docs and stuff, but I've been using uh, O365, like mm-hmm. spreadsheets and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super frustrating, super yeah. annoying how delayed the updates are and how, you know, I push the up arrow and it's like I, I can feel myself aging as the cell highlight transition. Like those sorts of things to me are huge quality of life blockers. Yeah, now that's true. But I will say I have generally shifted my approach on the office tools away from Microsoft and to the Google suite. Not because it's a better product. In a lot of ways, it's actually boiled down. Now, you can go both ways with that. I actually like, I like the, the prioritization and, and, and the, the, you know, the, the, con, the condensing to just the most critical, most important things. Because a lot, of, a lot of what PowerPoints can do, for example, is just pap. It's just fluff and you don't need it to get done what you need to get done. Excel spreadsheets. That's Google probably Docs. the most bloated of them all, if we're yeah. being honest. Yeah. Uh, versus Word or Excel, it. PowerPoint. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's why absolutely. I picked it. Absolutely. 80% of that thing could disappear tomorrow and and zero people would would notice, let yeah. alone miss it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but the reason that I like the web-based versions of it and the reason that I'm able, I'm willing to sit through some occasional lag, which admittedly really only happens when one of two things happens. Either the document itself is really, really big Spreadsheets are really uh, infamous for this. Or I have some extension or some browser add-on or something that's foobarring with the logic of the page. It's it's scanning the DOM and doing stuff. Like those, those can can interfere. Uh generally speaking, if it's just raw, pure, plain Google Sheet without a literal crap ton gigs of data in it, it works just fine. And the reason I like them is because it's collaborative. I don't need to build the thing, attach it to the email, send the email, and then that person gets it, and then they download it, and no, they yeah, modify that, it. That, that's the only reason, in my, my opinion, that is the reason that everybody puts up with literally every other difference, which are all negative. Yeah. Right? It's, but there are fewer huge, features, poorer perform, like everything else is way more is annoying huge. about it, but that, it is, it is huge. huge, and I'm not, I don't mean to downplay that at all, and I... To this day, I'm using stuff in O365 because of that feature, right. and I actively hate every minute of it because of all of the downsides. Yeah, and so see, I, I, but those to me, 
maybe I'm more glass half full on this, which would be a real inversion. You've always been the uppity one in this relationship. The, um, to me, that benefit of the mutual shared stuff where I don't need to, I don't need to wait for you to send me a copy. I don't have a dozen versions of this thing cluttering my inbox or cluttering a download folder or things like that. That the utility of that is so big that it dwarfs any potential downside to me. Like I look past all the potential problems because it's not, I get this one huge win out of it so that those things don't even matter. So my reason in bringing this up, I actually was going somewhere with this. My reason I this, doubt it. Going back to the question, Chromebooks instead of beefy laptops. If we as an industry it can really it can really make sense well it can but what i was actually going to suggest was it's less about the laptops versus the chromebooks it becomes more about where where you're actually interfacing and interacting now i'm going to leave a carve out i'm going to leave an exception for software developers because that is a uh and also uh i'll say graphic designers anywhere local hardware and you know rigorous setups are kind of du jour. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to sidestep that just gently for a second here and go average office worker. So this would be anyone, any information worker. Um, this would be anyone in HR, anyone in sales, uh, lawyers, um, uh, accountants, th- those kinds of things where you're dealing with information, but the horsepower is, is really kind of a negligible thing at this point. If we just continue moving more and more towards SaaS based access SaaS based products, software as a software as a service. If we continue going, Hey, phrasing, we continue going that way. Then this problem kind of solves itself because it becomes less of a, um, there's, there's less security concern because it's, it's just inside this little bubble. And then it becomes, like you said, bring your own device. And now it's not even bring your own device and we'll slap a VPN in it, or we'll slap a, a VM inside of it or anything like that. It's, Bring your own device and log into this service and off you go. You know, like it doesn't well, matter. Well, for many companies, that that's for many companies, that's that has been the way that they have been operating for years. Smaller companies, mind you, but yeah, smaller um, companies. It's getting more prevalent. Have, have a device with a browser is literally the technical requirements to meaningfully interact with the organization, right? Because right. Teams or Slack can be in one tab. Outlook or Gmail can be another tab. Docs or O365 can be in whatever. You know, like it's all... You know, the the meaningful work is all kind of recorded there. And, you know, if we're honest with ourselves, most of the other back office systems we're using are you know, web-based portals anyway. Yeah. So, you know, how many files do I have? If I look, so just my personal workflow, I have a, um, like in my, on my, my hard drive, I've got a folder called, you know, whatever. And then um, every week. I make an, so this week my current folder is 22 10 17 right for this this week mm-hmm. and I have one folder that that I <clears throat> that I have in in my uh shortcuts it's for all the documents that I'm just transitorily dealing with in the moment um so if somebody sends me an attachment that I got to review or edit or whatever my working documents are kind of in that folder and I switch that over from week to week um so if I look the, at that, you have this like endlessly growing list of weekly folders. Is that is that what yes. happens? Ugh. Yeah, I'm gonna say that sounds kind of gross. No, it, it works. It, it works. works because okay. then, like, if I like when I switch over, you know, on on Monday the 24th, I'll copy the 1017 folder, 
Mm. Rename it to the 24th. I'll delete anything that the, I don't have to care about need. anymore. Yeah. There's a couple of things that'll hold over from week to week. And then I use desktop search to find the last uh, version of an older document when I need it. It works okay. But my point is I'm looking at that right now. My folder for this week, what do I have? Five spreadsheets, a PowerPoint, and a PDF. Right. And there's really, why does that, that, why does that like, have to exist on your local machine? Six of Six Doesn't of those to. documents could be in SharePoint 0365, whatever you call it. Ugh. And the fourth, and the fourth was something I pulled, I think, out of Outlook. So I could use Outlook online and and pull it up from the email history, right? I don't actually need any of these locally. Right. That's my workflow. That's how I've been doing things, just because of how things are set up. And, There's also and a- whatever, but uh, you know, and even if I look at if I look at uh, at weeks past, right? If I look at the week before that. There's a bunch more documents in there. I had some travel this week that disrupted things, but most of those, look, there's one email that I saved off and there's a bunch of other Word docs, Excel docs, PowerPoints. There's nothing in, there's nothing in last week that couldn't, that couldn't, that didn't originate online or couldn't easily live there. If mm-hmm. it looked the week before, it's the same thing over yeah. and over and over again. And so, yeah, even for me, like there's not much that I couldn't do with just a browser. Right. Uh, uh, Realistically. And we're getting, what I'm saying is, um, you you keep side you keep sidebarring me. <laughs> I'm good at that. Yes, you are. What I'm saying is that uh, it becomes less about the device. It, it becomes we, we're moving more and more lightweight to the point where the 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 end user the edge requirement is a device with a with a browser, and I think that's good. One. And I think that we should, as an industry, be proactively, deliberately moving in that direction, too, because that that grants a whole lot of ease of use and utility and increased security and increased clarity. Like, there's lots of benefits to that. Now, I'm talking from the perspective of the company and the businesses. As an individual user, you still have a vested interest in, like, okay, I want to have copies of my own stuff so that I can put them in my portfolio, or I need copies of these significant notes and documents to CYA, cover your butt when, you know, if something goes wrong. I'm, I'm, so I'm not discounting any of that. I'm just simply saying, as an industry, I think this, this makes a lot of sense because it, it allows uh, the, the fine-grained control and clarity and security, and at the same time, simultaneously eliminates the heavy end device lift that your sysadmins have been doing for 30 years now. And, you know, this is just, you, you don't need to worry about that. You make sure they have some kind of a device. If they don't have one, you ship them one. You drop ship them one. You don't even have to prepare the unit. You just like order one from Dell and it shows up at their desk and, you know, it's the normal laptop and, oh, what do I need to do to configure it? Whatever the hell you want. You're just going to log into this website. So as long as you can log into the website, I don't care what you do. Uh, I think these are good things. This is, I, I, so, so the the notion of say all of that to say the notion of Chromebooks is there like a beefy laptops? That's like a, a to me that's a stepping stone. That's like a mid. That's like a halfway point. That's just a you know it's a mile marker on a longer trail. Um, and if you can, I think there are two things. Should two things that are true there. I think first you're right. I think this is an inevitability. I don't think it's really a question of if. I think it's when. Right? How quickly will we move to that posture? Mm-hmm. And and whether it's a whether it's a cloud-based VM or a company issued Chromebook or just straight BYOD, I don't really think that matters. Your point, your point is a salient one, which is which is if 
if we look at what the reality is today for the information workforce, there's of other than institutional momentum and buy-in, there's there's really no reason we couldn't do that tomorrow. Like, yeah, I, for for a lot of jobs, for like eighty percent of the jobs. Yeah, enough for enough that it'll it would matter, yeah. right? Um, you'd still and you so would I still don't need think, a carve out exception for certain cases, but sure for you know there would there's always exceptions. There's always your very special snowflakes that you got to deal with. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's not it's not a blanket rule, but for a, a giant swath of the workforce, yes, we're, we're, we already swath. have the capability. Yeah. We could do it tomorrow if the you know, back to policies. You know, back to you working for policies rather than the other way around. Mm-hmm. But for the 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 ex- extant machinations, this this could be this could be done. This transition could be could be done already. I don't know if there's if it's interesting to talk about whether there is sort of a corporate margins versus employee quality of life discussion there. Okay, because I do, do for myself, if I if tomorrow, if tomorrow my CIO comes to me and says, uh, hey, Chris, uh, we're doing this for the workforce. Anybody that wants to leverage this can have a BYOD or a cloud-based VM or whatever the solution is, right? Let's just go. Let's go totally to the totally to the end where the it's just it's just have a browser, right? We're we're offering this to you. I, I don't know whether I, all of that having been said, and I think we're in pretty much lockstep there. I don't know whether I go for it. I don't know whether I go for it because I am going to feel the day-to-day pain and annoyance of IO and rendering lag with Excel through a browser or with uh, a text editor that's not Sublime or Vim, but it's something in a cloud where I'm typing and I don't see the letters as soon as I should. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you can adapt to that stuff over time, I think, but it's like, I know it's like adapting to knee pain. Like it, it never goes away. You don't realize how annoying it is until you fix the problem. You go back to not having knee pain. You're like, holy moly, how did I live like this? That's how I felt coming back out of like um to to keep this a little software centric. That's how I felt coming back out of Adam and VS Code, back to Sublime and Vim. It's like, holy crap, how did I put up with that mm-hmm. all this time? That was super annoying. I'm never doing I that again. Them. There's a reason I hate IDEs, right. man. This is definitely part of it. You know, and yeah. so, well, I mean, you know, like you take Visual Studio, it's it's native. It's it's that's I never really noticed much of a problem there. Um, but that's that would be my concern. So so it's nice to talk about at a leadership level. Okay, so there's margin to be gotten back. Uh, it it may it may enable you to change the security posture slightly. It may make your support, you know, you may have less support issues that you have to deal with in the first place, let alone once what they cost you in time and money to resolve when they happen. Mm-hmm. If you're just using, I mean, this is the whole argument for, for you know, SaaS in the first place, right? You don't have to manage it. Probably a money saver overall. Oh, probably works fine for a lot of the workforce. It's probably a sound management decision. And as a as an actual employee consumer of the technology, I don't know whether I'd sign up for it. Well, here's the thing: you're you're calling out a, a valid concern. The, this the sluggishness, the responsiveness. That to me is don't confuse a strategic blocker from a tactical blocker. So we're making the strategic argument that this is a good thing, and there's all yeah, these yeah. That benefits. The thing no. that you're talking about is a is a implementation issue, an implementation detail that can be overcome. We know we want to we want to go in this direction, and there is this there's this hurdle we got to clear. So we go and clear that hurdle. So a couple things jump to mind for me immediately. Um, 
One, uh, depending on the kind of work that you're doing, classic web form submission workflow is adequate, more than adequate. And where you're doing something like dev typing, uh, you're going to want more responsiveness. That to me says, you know, rich text editing where you are editing a dot, you know, you're editing in real time and it's on the screen in real time. And then it's actually being pushed to the server in the background. So you see all the responsiveness and then the delay is sort of hidden to you in the asynchronous, you know, communication. It would be a, a sim. I'm coming up with like simple solutions that I would explore immediately to address this, this problem. Just to illustrate that there are ways around that and it doesn't change the fact that we think that this would be valuable. So if we did that, does that eliminate the concern you've got? Because it sounds like it would. Uh, let's stay let's stay focused on on two specific tactics. Because you're right, these are these are tactical concerns in response to a strategic direction question. And I think mm-hmm. we're aligned on the strategic direction. And I, I don't think it's again. I'll underscore, it's not a question. It's an inevitability in my mind. Mm-hmm. That and I, we're, there are already parts of the industry that have gone this way. It's like it's like not even inevitable. It's history at this point in some regards. Mm-hmm. Um, so that uh, perfect sense, and and a bunch of the stuff is on the web already, so it doesn't make a difference where it doesn't matter. The two things, and it, you know, I'm just this is my bias. Editing code and editing, let's say, an Excel doc, because Word doesn't seem as bad. Excel is the real problem. Okay. Um, and I don't know whether maybe O365 is incrementally better or worse than Google Docs. I don't really care. I've I've used them both. I had the same complaint. Certainly for the, the, the first case I raised of the, of editing software. Yeah. I've used Vim over SSH and it's fine. Right. So, uh, there are also, uh, what, uh, GitLab allows, um, online editing. Yep. So they'll pop, they'll pop a a giant text area and you can do, it's not actually a text area, but they'll pop a window and you can do that. Um, and all of the, you know that that keeps your actual editing and your actual responsivity to the local host, right? It's inside mm-hmm. the browser process. It's not that bad. Uh, so maybe, right? Uh, if you give me if if you give me Vim over a terminal, I'm happy. Maybe the online. I've never liked the browser based editing. It's just yeah. it's not there yet. Yeah. But again, to your point, like there's a solvable problem. Yeah. How do I solve for spreadsheets sucking? How do I solve for responsivity, input lag, those sorts of things in 0365 in, in a Google sheet. Well, that's, I can't, there's nothing I can do to change that. No, no, no. But I, I think you're missing my point. The, like those, those are, those are all, I, I'm not, the, I was offering solutions just to illustrate that there would be solutions that you could in fact pursue. I'm not here to actually solve the sluggishness in Office 365. Well, no, but, but I, I'm saying in response to you saying that these are tactical issues for a strategic issue. Yeah, but the tactics matter because if yeah, I decide I agree, strategically, if I did, if, okay, well, if I decide strategically, I have to get from here to New York City, the best way to do that is a car, but there's no gas in the tank. That's a tactical issue blocking a strategic decision. Uh, and it matters very much. Oh, so, so you're going. So you're going back to your like, do it, do it tomorrow. And you, you said if I did it, you know, I could make the case for doing it tomorrow. And this would be a challenge if you did, in fact, do it tomorrow. What I'm saying is that I don't want to wake up tomorrow with knee pain. Right. I could live. I could walk around my house. I could do my job. Mm-hmm. I could. I could get through the rest of my life with knee pain. Right now, I don't have knee pain. I don't want it. And you don't want knee pain. Even sure. If, 
right? And so that's that's where I'm going with this. I'm I, you're not saying anything is wrong. I think we're disagreeing. I'm simply saying I don't know that I would sign up for it because I have had that knee pain before, and I don't want it. And yeah. and the benefits the benefits that I could reap using a totally uh, totally internet based experience for me and my workflow in my situation to me don't drive enough value for me to deal with the knee pain. Here, here, here's what's happening. You're saying it doesn't work that way today. I'm saying it could work that way tomorrow, but we would need to get there. So we're saying- well, Yeah, we could cure cancer tomorrow. I don't see what your point is. Yeah, <laughs> I was actually trying to come to a come to a denouement there. I was trying to come to a resolution where it would because- you, what you're you're talking about the challenges and the and the issues, and I get it, and they're, yeah. they're real, and and I'm acknowledging them, and I'm saying, but they're solvable, and if we solved them, there is no knee pain, and ergo, you know, this would be the right course of action. Correct. Okay. I'm, right. I'll so, meet you on that. Yeah. All right. I'll so meet you on that. Yeah. All right. Yeah, but you're saying we have an accord. We, we have an accord, but I didn't realize your point was like, if all of the problems are solved, then we don't have problems well, no, well, anymore. I'm saying, I, of course, that's no, the you case. Have, well, <laughs> you have pointed out, to be clear, you've pointed out one problem, and I'm trying to say that that one problem is very solvable. I feel like we're going we're going too far down the philosophical rabbit hole on this one. So No, no, you are. I'm trying to stay very tactical. They've had a decade <laughs> with all of this technology in place. They've not solved it yet. So I don't have any faith <laughs> that within the next decade, it'll be solved. I think what's ah, going to happen okay. over all of this, which, because look, Adam is not, uh, uh, Electron is at least 10 years old now. That came mm. out, what, 2011, 2012 timeframe, right? I remember when that came yeah, out. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, Man. Google Docs has been around, it's got to be over a decade now, right? That was yeah. late 2000. I forget when that came out, but that's been out forever in a day. They still suck. And, and when I say suck, I don't mean they're, they're crap products that have no value. They can't bring benefits. What I mean is, I don't like tolerating the knee pain of the, of, of the input lag. Mm -hmm. So they've had a decade. It hasn't solved it yet. What is going to wind up happening, though, in a few years, I'm going to wake up with knee pain yeah. because it's going to be the right management decision <laughs> to go this route. The tactical blockers will not have been solved, and I'm not going to have a choice when... <laughs> because when your CIO comes and says, hey, this is the way that we're deploying our technology now, then you... You you do that, right? <laughs> so ready to ultimately, work. <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, I'm gonna wind up with knee pain, and then I'll complain about it to no one, and uh, <laughs> it's gonna be fine. Okay, I I, I understand. All right, but uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Th those those problems could be solved, and if they were, to and I, maybe this is your actual point. If they were, there would be absolutely no barrier. I'm saying, in I'm my saying mind. they not only could they be solved, I think they will be. I think that the improvement. Because this is an incremental improvement, it's really hard to for us as individuals over time to perceive the. It's really hard for you or I to perceive the difference and improvement in Google Sheets today versus Google Sheets six years ago. Like, yeah. we're, it's going to be hard for us to see that. But you and I both know intellectually because of what we do, and we know how these products work and how they mm -hmm. operate and how they're built and how they advance. That. Yes, we are very confident, not even being on those teams, we know that they have advanced and they have improved. So it logically makes sense that if we continue that trajectory out, these lag issues that we are honing in on from a usability 
concern as far as going to this SaaS, very lightweight, very thin client-y kind of approach, they will over time be resolved. But they are still a problem today. Yeah. Yeah. We're- I mean, and, and and the trade-offs are the trade-offs are clear. Whether whether those yeah. of us uh, we're using we're transmitting like all of our music. Uh, we're storing mm-hmm. like all of our music in digital format. Most yeah. of it's MP3. Yeah, there's some AAC and FLAC and things, but most of it's MP3. MP3 sucks, mm-hmm. right? If you've ever actually heard a good vinyl it's system, the, it's the you, digi- MP3 is just total garbage. But we put is up the with digital it. VHS. It's the digital all version of the VHS of, tape. All of the conveniences, all of the efficiencies, all of this, like all of the other reasons, nobody's buying new vinyl systems anymore, even though it's Right. And it's just because the world's got to move in that direction because it just makes too much sense. And then over time, we forget how much MP3 suck until you go back and you hear a good vinyl system. You go, holy moly, that was that's yeah, but awesome. Audio, we lost something in all of this. Yes. But but I think vinyl is still very much alive. It's kind of niche, but it's still alive. And audio quality has improved over time. The MP3s that I get today that fall off the truck, <clears throat> you know. They um, <laughs> fall the, off the, the the dump truck that is the Internet. Exactly. Those those ones are of a higher quality and sometimes they're not MP3. They are some of those other formats you talked about. Flack is is wonderful. And we're storage space is ever expanding, kind of like the universe. And so the size of these <laughs> files doesn't matter as much every yeah, single day. Yeah. It matters a little bit less. And so we're, that's your point. We're, improvements we're, over time improvements to the point where in the average use case. Is there a difference from like a like a hundred and fifty megabyte flack uh, off of a good master from a, a versus a vinyl? Is the difference really there in most or, practical cases? It doesn't matter. To or point. yeah, or to to even be more realistic about this, you compare the vinyl versus the hundred and fifty megabyte flack. What about vinyl versus the? Okay, that's maybe that's too big. What about the hundred megabyte flack? What about the seventy five megabyte flack? It reaches. There's a dialing in where you you. Yes, there's a quality loss, but it is so incremental that as so as to be unnoticeable in you know to all but the most you know discerning of situations, discerning of of well, ears. yeah. And, and to your point, though, over time you solve the problem, and over time the problem actually, solves itself. If what's right, if 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 what's actually good enough is a 250 megabyte flack, then storage is cheaper and bigger every year which is your point like so these digital you know, right yeah. so the digital versions are are always always uh incrementally approaching the original vinyl quality mm-hmm. and you and you eventually get to a point where it may not be exactly there but it's so close to, it's close enough so as to close be indiscernible yeah. yeah exactly yeah all right yeah. i'm with um, you i'm with you all right um what do we got left here all right so this is um this is a lot. This is one that I want. I should have started here because this actually tied directly with what we were talking about last week with Agile. So uh, this other question is the Agile manifesto fun, fundamentally in conflict with the fact that businesses commit to deadlines and budgets. I want to take first crack at this one because Yikes. I will say, yes, if we go by everything that we talked about last last week and uh, that that our, our new friend Alan Holub had to say about the current structures. One of the big th- one of the big things that I took away from that, it, 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 it put so many pieces of the puzzle into place for me. You cannot be agile and rigid at the same time. If you are doing things 
like budgets, like deadlines, like time schedules and and that kind of stuff and and foisting all of that rigidity onto the team by definition they cannot be agile and so yes it is fundamentally in conflict i think the more important or more interesting part of this question is can a can a company actually you know truly adopt the agile manifesto and be agile which means uh f- forsaking things like deadlines and budgets and i would say Yes. I mean, you still need to have numbers around things. Things still have a cost and they still have a time frame and things like that. But you you don't need to be so dictatorial, handed down from on high about those things. You should, you know, you, there is a scenario. It has limiting factors like time, like money. But you take that scenario, you hand it to the team that's going to do it. And then you say, go solve the problem. And you just stay the hell out of the way and you let them do it. So thoughts. I know I sort of answered the question already, but that's that's my that's my take on it. Yeah, no, and I I don't I think I don't necessarily disagree with the take. I think there's a little bit of nuance because the question is like, is is business fundamentally opposed to agile? And that that depends on the business. Depends on the so business. I think there if you are have, agile companies. There are you, agile companies. It, if you are, um, and I'll just, uh, there's, there's a couple of, man, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no rigid, there's no, there's no rule here, right? There's no exact formula, but I'll give you a couple of, in my experience, kind of like indicators of whether or not there may be conflict. First thing, B2C versus B2B. B2B, it's much harder to actually embrace agile, like actually do it. Because businesses, they have seasonal cycles, they have budgets, there are approval processes, there's all this kind of garbage that gets in the way. Again, uh, people serving the policies, not policy serving the people. Mm-hmm. Um, in a in a B2B environment, it's much harder because there typically are you, you can, <laughs> as a middle manager in a B2B company, you almost get handed, uh, you almost get handed all three points of the triangle. And there's never in you don't have any ability to move them uh and and it always sucks at a certain degree because of these constraints right you only got so much money you only got so much time there is a certain amount of feature that you need to deliver in order to meet the bar right this that's your triangle set for you there's no there's no flexibility that can be really tough if you're b to c sometimes you don't have that pressure but sometimes you still do let's say Let's say you're working for the NFL, right? Well, there's a certain time of the year by which you've got to have things out for the new season. And so even in that, you know, this is not exactly. Um, but I think when you're B2B, when you're B2C and or when you are smaller. So if you are a startup, uh, particularly like a funded startup, and you're still trying to figure out what your MVP is, what your exact market is, you know, you've got some strategy, you've got a BD plan, you've got some decks, you've got some things. but you got to recognize that there's some fluidity in that. That's where I think the agility really, you, it is much easier. I, I guess I'm, I'm botching this, but I guess what I'm trying to say is that um, the smaller you are, the easier it is to be close to truly agile. There's always going to be somebody with purse strings expecting some outcome and the money's not infinite. That, and so I think, yes, they are fundamentally opposed. 
I think you get it. You it's it's easier to bridge the gap the smaller you are and the earlier you are. Okay, I don't disagree with any of that. I'm gonna uh, again flipping roles here and be the optimistic one. I think even large organizations can be agile. It requires a overt commitment to do so, and it requires it from the top down. And it, because really, the limiting factor here is always trust. It's always trust. Do I trust? this team to do the thing in time on budget to spec or do I need myself or do I need to designate somebody to actually be the enforcer and you know, whose throat do I choke when things go wrong? If you can, as an organ, as an individual and as an organization, get over that and learn to actually trust the people around you this problem goes away and it, it solves itself. And now I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's simple. Okay. There's a difference there. You know, this is not a, yeah. this is not a, this is not an easy problem, but it is a simple problem. It really does boil down to that. So you talked about the B2B triangle. You know, I've got my, I've got my time, my budget, I've got my, my, my spec, I've got to deliver and none of those things are moving. Well, that's a, if if you are in fact dealing with a, a what I would call a broken triangle here, like it's an impossible one to actually deliver because the constraints are such that you know, you can't actually work inside of them, then then it's not going to work. No amount of of you know ramrodding it or uh, you know harumphing it or having a you know CEO pound his desk about how important it is. Like it's not going to it's not going yeah. to matter. You need to actually adjust it for the for the confines for the boundaries. Yeah, and that's that's a that scenario is a lack of collaboration. You you need to you have to work with the people on the other side of the desk. Hey, this thing it, it's not going to work. I, Here's why. Let's work together to figure out what can work. And again, yeah, and, and all and comes part back of, to trust. And I, yeah, I trust is certainly where where it's more possible. It is absolutely trust is the only thing that matters. I, I don't. I'm not going to disagree with that with that mm-hmm. analysis. Um, I think for me, I think for me, the rest of the world. So software, mm, it's still new. Human brain doesn't do well comprehending software. Yes. The 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 this solution is, space, the problem very space. Very true. Very true. The way that it behaves, the way that it works, the way that you manage it, either as an individual or at scale of an organization, it's so new. And all of our analogies come from the physical world where agile don't work. Right. The reason we have waterfall is because look, if I'm gonna build a car. I got to know exactly what it's going to look like before anybody starts to do anything right. because you have to have the end goal completely crystallized in your mind and then you work backwards. The whole right. project management and all of this design, all of this is because at the end of the day, this panel needs to meet this panel at a certain spot at a certain angle. And that's just the way it has. You can't right. iterate right. on your design for the hood because if the motor is larger, that's going to create other problems. And so you redesign your, you delete your car every six months and restart over because the last guy didn't refactor his models correctly. And so, so much of what we produce, and this is kind of the philosophical thing. I don't want to, I don't know if you want this, but like, so much of what we wind up producing comes into direct contact with things that actually are that model that it like i i kind of wonder like 
when is when is agile actually like conceptually realistic mm. in in true form and now we can do shades of it i think you and i both over the years we've developed sort of like hey agile does some stuff well these other methodologies do some stuff well it's an ad hoc approach we're not going to be super dogmatic there's no one size fits all so we're not going to get hung up on the ceremonies and certifications and all this kind of garbage right we're going to do what's right for the business you know kind of noting that uh your 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 software winds up mirroring your org chart you know that old trope yep very true and so i just i don't know with if if i look at the if i look at the seasonal business cycles and if i look at how often our our software which we don't know how to manage well runs up against real world things that that can't be agile i i like the direction i like the attitudes i like the mindsets and i think at a certain lower level of the overall project management development process it, it they can be ac- applicable mm-hmm. but to say that this is how all software can and should be done like i'm not sure that i'm there i um I used an analogy. Uh, you, you talked about the analogies to, dry, to describe software. I use this analogy to describe this this exact issue and solution to to somebody the other day. Uh, you know, the reason you know why why is software the way it is? Why do we talk about agile? Why you know why doesn't it fit with other things? Why are engineers so terrible at time estimating? Why don't they like doing time estimates? All that kind of stuff. Because most other industries, like you said, especially manufacturing, they they don't have this problem in this extreme the way that the, the way that we do in software. And I said the reason is because the complete lack of physicality. Today, you want me to build you the programmatic equivalent of a car, and I start building the car. And along the way, we realize, hey, we didn't build a really good car, but you know what? We actually have a really awesome ice cream maker. So. Fantastic. Fantastic. So now I'm going to actually take literally pieces of the car and I'm just going to wave my hand and they are and and add some additional parts out of thin air. And I broke my car theme down. And now I actually have a dozen different flavor ice cream makers. Just poof, just like that, because I can. And it's what the market apparently wanted. They realized they didn't want a car. They wanted these ice cream makers. Yeah. And that and that is a thing that can actually happen in the indeterminate non-physical world that is software because it's just Which is logic. Great. It's just information. It's great for Spotify. Right. right? It works wonderfully. By the way, for Spotify, Spotify, one of the biggest examples of a very, very agile company. They, I, that's why I bring yeah. them up, right? Mm-hmm. It's 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 very non-physical. They're and again, I don't want to get onto this, but they're still kind of a startup type environment. They've managed to keep that and their B2C. So mm-hmm. it, it kind of fit, but 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 Spotify can do it. That's fine. Like you said, it's non-tangible, it's all virtual. There's, you know, there aren't the same, but if I'm but to say that agile is the right way to do software, as if you are the 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 pope of digital technology, then I'm over here. Maybe I'm working in the auto industry and I need to produce some sort of engine control module for the new Ford Taurus for 2023. That doesn't work. I'm sorry. It's it's wrong headed well, the- to simply like and so and so when I when it, it's like is agile compatible with business? No. But it sometimes is. Right? <laughs> I would actually uh I would I would Disagree slightly. You talked about this, you know, software for a module on a Ford Taurus. I think you the agile process, 
I, I would actually apply the Agile process to the software that goes into that module, doing exactly what I just described. You hand the specs, the requirements, and all that kind of stuff to the team, and you tell the team, get it done. And if they need to, they will need to collaborate with the people on the physical side to make sure that they're meeting the spec and they're meeting the timelines. But what's happening inside that bubble, inside that software aura, is a purely agile process. There is no there is no project manager. There's no middle manager. There's no there's no one uh, approving their budgets. If they need to get on a plane, they just buy the tickets. They spend the money out of the budget and they get on the plane and they go talk to whoever they need to talk to to get it done. To your to your point about trust, if you trust the team that's managing the ECM code to say, "Here are your specs. Here are your requirements. Go make it happen. It's due by August first." Then yeah, that that could be that could be an agile process. Yeah. That's not how any business that I know of works. And and also you started to bleed into like, you know, completely flat manager list zone. And the data is not in your favor on that argument. All right. So we've got some we are we are at time. That's a here. whole that's a that's whole nother topic though. But but I see your like your point is valid, right? If I have a very clear sense of what success looks like. I need this done to conform to this spec with these requirements by this date. Go make it happen as a business owner. I don't give a rip how that team gets it done. And if I if I trust them to do that and then they deliver it, uh, then there's no then there's no issue. I I agree completely. But it's it's almost like you but you everybody forgets about the human factors. How is that team going to exist within a broader organization? That is very, very, very waterfall in concept. Like you're eventually somebody's reporting to there is somebody a touch else, point. and there there's is an external like, touch point. Yes, and the human factors there. I'm sorry, but like it's it's I've not seen it done well, and that's that's just a limit of my own experience. I'm sure there's somebody out there that's doing it well, but I think your point is is kind of rain salient. Yeah, that that can happen if you've got the trust. I think yeah. it's possible. Yeah, but I think I think in the real world there is a fundamental clash. So, to some so I have, uh, we, we will end on this uh, I, because I think uh, this is a, this is a deeper topic, but I have a, um, you, you mentioned how, you know, is this possible? You know, the data doesn't support the notion of, you know, flat organizations. This is something that I have uh, been uh, personally pushing forward uh, myself in my own self-reflection and self-research. Um, I actually, uh, I had hinted at a new article being released last uh, in the last episode. I actually did get that out um, and I will link it in the show notes and we may even continue part of this conversation because we've opened a whole can of worms here. Oh um, yeah. But uh, that article talks about the notion of how, okay, given that an organization is not flat and has hierarchy and has trust issues and has rigidity, yeah. given yeah. all of those things, how can we work from there backwards to more fluidity, more trust yeah. and deregulation. And how can we approach agility from how that can posture? We approach, yeah. Right. Because that's the question. Because, you know, going back to my buddy, Alan, he's like, take a sledgehammer and all this stuff. You don't need any of it. It's agile. Get your rigidity out of the way. It's broken. And yeah. that is an impossible pill to swallow for some organizations. So I'm going at it, it from the opposite direction to say, okay, I'm going to work with you where you're at. Here's where you're at. And let's work backwards from there and get you to a place where you understand the benefits. There actually is an incentive and an understanding and awareness of what you 
the cost and benefit analysis of of why you should do this, why this is beneficial to you. And it and the article that I just wrote actually talks about deconstructing the uh the the hierarchical trust level of the middle manager and like what the middle manager's responsibility is and how we can actually um put that person in a position where they are uh less of a blocker and more of an um uh more more of an uh partner and oversight and in some cases empowering them to do the work so anyway yeah. to be continued for for all of that but see that I've got a list here, and we got through like two of them. <laughs> but we added three at the end. <laughs> we have good. so many sidebars. So many oh, sidebars. Man. I'm just, I'm not as think as you drunk I am today. <laughs> all these sidebars. Well, if you've got opinions on on Agile in the real world, especially in environments that are a little more traditional, uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts about that or anything else we talked about on the show. Uh, you can email us, feedback at refactor.work. Uh, either send us a note or voice recorder on your phone, forward that to us, and we'll play that on the show. Uh, we'd love to. Uh, we'd love to engage with you. That's that's the word of the day, friend. Right? It's engagement. Engagement. Right? It's all about engagement. engagement. Yes. Yes. Uh, go get yourself a better podcasting app at uh, newpodcastapps.com. We're like podcast 2.0 enabled here on Refactor, mm-hmm. so uh, there mm-hmm. might be some goodness there for you and other shows. You can find more about me online at tonkinson.com, and you can find more about Frank at hotcoles k o e h l s dot com. This has been episode 84 of the Refactored Podcast, recorded October 20th, 2022. Thanks, Frank. Always a pleasure, Chris.